So the reading this morning is from Philippians chapter 1, um, starting at verse 3 to verse 11, and it's found on page 1178 in your Bibles, if you can't see reading along. Thanksgiving and prayer. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. Brilliant. Thank you, Sarah. My name's Hannah, and I also work for Shrewsbury Youth for Christ. Uh, We've got one main aim in the work we do, and that's to take good news relevantly to every young person in Shrewsbury. Um, We see that as as two ways, really. Taking good news, first of all, we see that as the good news that actually young people are valuable and brilliant. We spoke to some year sixes in the week, Um, And we asked them what they thought about teenagers, what their view of teenagers was. And even at year six, the answers were predominantly, teenagers are moody, and they're grumpy, and they're horrible, and they spend too much time on the internet. And generally the view, even from year sixes, the view of teenagers was actually really negative. And so the first part of good news that we want to share is that actually we think young people are brilliant. We think they have value. We think they have worth. And we think they have a positive contribution to make. And at Baston Hill at Christchurch, you are blessed with some amazing young people, so you probably don't even need to hear that. But when you do hear negative things in the newspaper, we want to turn that around and say actually young people are brilliant and we love to share that good news in schools. But also, we love to share the good news with young people. Not just that we think young people are brilliant, but that God thinks that they're brilliant. God thinks that they're valuable. God thinks that they were worth dying for because he loved them so much that he wanted relationship with them. And so wherever we can, wherever we have the opportunity in school, we love to share the good news of Jesus Christ, that God wants relationship with young people because he thinks they're worth something. He thinks they're valuable and he thinks they are brilliant so that's what we do in a nutshell and hopefully the video has shown you some of the practical day-to-day ways that we do that I'm actually three years into my role now as centre director at Shrewsbury Youth for Christ and at the very start of my time 
we spent some time uh, praying and seeking God about the direction of Shrewsbury Youth for Christ and what, what he wanted us to have as our main kind of emphasis, what we did. And so we came up with six new aims. That was three years ago. And obviously the bulk of those were to do with uh, sharing the gospel with young people, enabling young people to meet other young people who follow Jesus. But also there was one aim that we had that was specifically to do with church partnership. And that was to work with local churches and create genuine partnership in reaching out to young people in Shrewsbury. That was the aim. And to elaborate, we said that we want to build on our past history of good relationships with local churches and continue to build thriving and mutual relationships with these groups. As churches continue to support us in prayer and in giving, we aim to support local churches in training, networking, and facilitating the conversation. And so three years on, I can ask myself, where are we in that goal of having those really mutual, thriving partnerships with schools? And I have to say that Christchurch Basin Hill, you've probably got an A if, I was, if it was a school report, and I'd say that we probably have maybe a C, maybe, because you've been so brilliant to us. You've been so faithful to us, and we thank you so much. You've been faithful in prayer. I see so many faces who I, who I know here, who I know pray for us regularly, and I thank you so much for being in partnership in that way. Thank you so much for your giving. You've sacrificially given as a church and as individuals to us as a, partner, as a, a project, and I thank you so much uh, for that. And how are we doing? I guess we could do better, is my overall uh, observation. As Shrewsbury Youth for Christ, we want to be able to support you better as a church. But how do we know even what good partnership is? That's where we're going to turn to Paul and, and, ha- and what he wrote to the church in Philippi. And sorry if there's been a change to what was on your notice sheet, but... Um, We're looking at Philippians, that first section today, as we consider really briefly two questions together today. First of all, when we read that first section of Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, my first question is, what can we all as individuals learn from Paul's example of rejoicing in God in all circumstances? So that's a question we're going to ask individually to to ourselves. And then my second question this morning is, what can we, as Shrewsbury Youth for Christ and Christ Church in Baston Hill, what can we learn from Paul about partnering in the gospel? What does that look like for us? So Paul writes this letter to a church in Philippi, and it's a church that he has a great love for. You can see from the way he writes that he has a deep connection and a deep love and a mutual partnership with this church. He, he was there founding the church. He was there when Lydia was converted. And so he has uh, a great um, commitment to the church in Philippi. And we also read that actually the church in Philippi is thriving. It's not one of the kind of problem churches that Paul has to address lots of issues with. The church is thriving. We can also see that actually when Paul was writing this, lesson, this letter, he was... Um, coming towards the end of about a two-year stint in in jail. And so that that first question about rejoicing in the midst of hard times, I think looking at Paul and his situation as he's writing this letter, we could probably understand if Paul at this point was a bit glum and was a bit fed up 
uh, after his time in chains. And yet, when we read this book of Philippians, I love it because it's just a, a letter that's saturated completely in thanksgiving and praise. It's kind of overflowing with joy. Just in that first section, we read that, I thank my God every time I remember you. I always pray with joy. I will continue to rejoice. It's saturated in praise and thanksgiving. And that's just that first chapter. How can Paul maintain such a positive attitude in the face of such suffering? And maybe this is confession time for me, but if you're anything like me, there are things in life that get us down. I'll be honest, things in life that get me down are things like people not indicating when they're coming off a roundabout. I don't know if anyone else relates to that, some of you. Things like you're walking down Pride Hill and all you want to do is get to where you're going and there's a multitude of people who just want to talk to you and ask you for things. That really gets me down. Maybe I'm just really a horrible person. Realising there's no milk in the house when you're just about to make a cup of tea, that really gets me down. And I'm being flippant. Of course I'm being flippant. Because there are things in our lives today that do have the ability to get us down. I don't know if you're like me, but whenever I put the news on at the moment, I feel thoroughly depressed. When I look at the political landscape of the UK, I feel thoroughly depressed. And all of us are in circumstances, maybe it's friends who are sick, maybe it's loved ones who are sick, maybe it's just looking at the world that we're living in and seeing the kind of conflict that's going on in the world. It's we, we can, like Paul, maybe think that we have a reason or an excuse to feel down and depressed and glum. But actually, Paul rejoices. Paul is filled to overflowing with joy. And I find that incredible because actually, although there are things going on in the world, we're really fortunate. I get to stand up in assemblies and share about my relationship with Jesus to young people without fear of prison or persecution. How amazing is that? And yet, do I show the same kind of joy and thanksgiving that Paul did in his circumstances? What was it? What was Paul's secret to this life of thanksgiving and joy? I think, first of all, that Paul had learned that joy is not dependent on circumstances. You see, if our joy is dependent on circumstances, then when we get a pay rise, or when we've had healing for a sickness, or when we've got our favorite meal for dinner, things like that, we can feel joy. I feel joy at those things. It's natural to feel joy. But if our joy is dependent on circumstances, the reverse of that would also be true, that when we lose our job, or when the, the healing that we've been praying for doesn't come, or, or when it's beans on toast for dinner again, then we would feel an absence of joy or a feeling of despair. If joy's Paul was not dependent on circumstances, then it figures that whatever circumstances he finds himself in, he still has the ability to rejoice and be glad. Maybe Paul has made a choice, made a, a decision that he is going to rejoice despite his circumstances. 
He's made a choice to be joyful. But also, Paul has encountered a living God. He's had an encounter with God. He had an encounter with Jesus that not only took him from being a persecutor of Christians to one of the greatest missionaries we've ever known, but has transformed every single thing in his life. His perspective on everything has changed because of a personal encounter with Jesus that has changed everything. Is that the reason for Paul's joy? And if that's the reason for Paul's joy, that living encounter with Jesus, then what can we learn? What can we learn from Paul here? Firstly, that Paul's joy is a choice, I think. I think he's made a choice to be joyful in circumstances. I think he's made a choice that whether he's in chains or free, he will rejoice. Whether he's suffering or free, he will rejoice. And I think that's a choice uh, that Paul has made. And I think that's a choice that we can make, that despite what's happening in our political system, despite what's happening in our world, despite what's happening in our own personal lives, that we can make the choice that actually we're going to choose to rejoice. And secondly, Paul has had a living encounter with Jesus that changes everything and changes his perspective on everything. Maybe for us, maybe for me, that joy, that overflowing sense of joy has left us because we, we fail to daily encounter that living God. That daily encounter, that daily worship of a living Jesus can help us to gain perspective on the world and to guard against despair. When we have that daily living encounter with Jesus, our hearts are guarded against despair because we have this perspective and we have that living relationship with Jesus and I think that's something certainly I can learn and maybe we can all learn to a certain extent from Paul my second question was what can Shrewsbury Youth for Christ and Christ Church Baston Hill learn from Paul's partnership with the gospel with the church in Philippi in particular I think, first of all, when we read that introduction to the letter, we can see that this relationship that Paul has with the church in Philippi is mutual, and it's thriving, and it's one of deep affection. The relationship is mutual. It's two-way. They're both serving each other. It's filled with deep affection, as we'll read later on. And it's one with deep affection. I think we, when we read this, Paul almost has a fatherly way of dealing with this church. It's, it's a relationship uh, that's filled with, with love and affection. And that's, that's how their relationship is. That's where the relationship is based on. But how does that work? How does that mutual relationship, how does that partnership work in practical ways? Well, we can read that even in the first part. It says, Paul prays for the church. So there's prayer together in that partnership. Paul says, even in that first, I think, verse 9, that, that Paul prays for the church. And I think that's probably something Paul did endlessly, that he, in, in birthing the church and in, in seeing it grow, his relationship with the church is prayerful. He prays for them in all of their circumstances. Both parties share in each other's suffering. When the suffering with the church 
I'm sure Paul feels that deeply. He shares in their suffering, is what we read. And I'm sure it's the other way around, when maybe the church knows about Paul and hears about Paul and, and, and his situation. I'm sure they share in that suffering with one another. They both rejoice with one another. You have to read a bit further into chapter 2, verse 18 to read that. But both parties rejoice with one, each other, with one another. When there's things to celebrate, maybe... More people are meeting Jesus, either in the church or with Paul in prison. They celebrate and they rejoice with one another. That's part of their partnership, is rejoicing and sharing with each other. Paul takes great interest in their welfare. He's concerned about them. Chapter 2, verse 20, he's interested in what's going on. He's interested in how they're doing and their welfare. And then finally... In their partnership, the church actually supports uh, Paul financially. And we read that. You'd have to go to chapter 4 to read that. Um, The church give uh, sacrificially to to Paul's work. So we have those different ways that that partnership works. It's a mutual, loving partnership, and that's made up of prayer, suffering with each other, rejoicing with each other, taking interest in each other, and supporting financially. So not only is it... A mutual relationship full of love but actually it's really practical in service that it's a practical relationship where they help each other out Paul as he's off on his missionary journeys and the church there in Philippi they're helping each other they have a partnership that's thriving and practical they support each other in prayer and encouragement rejoicing being with each other in suffering and this thriving relationship that they have causes fruitful ministry we can see that can't we we we're here today because of what happened back then we're we're here today because the gospel went out and because of their thriving partnership ministry was fruitful we know that we do it was a fruitful ministry because of their thriving partnership so very quickly that question to us then what can we learn from Paul's partnership here in the gospel what can we learn and I'm talking specifically now uh, personally about SYFC and you as a church what can we learn from this here first of all we can pray for each other and I thank you again so much you pray for us faithfully and that does not go unnoticed we know that you're behind us and we know that you read our newsletters and hopefully speak to people like Jenny and uh, Joan who who are um, regular attenders at our prayer breakfast you pray for us and we are so grateful for that but how can we pray for you better could you is there a way that you could let us know your needs so that SYFC we can be praying for you in your ministry could you let us know what's happening here with you so we can we can bring your needs before Christ Is there a way that we can partner better with you in prayer? That's a question that I'm asking for us personally, and I'd love to talk to you about that afterwards. How can we share in each other's suffering? Hopefully there won't be too much suffering. Hopefully we'll have lots of rejoicing and not much suffering. But if you as a church are suffering, can you share that burden with us? Can we pray for you in your suffering? Can we suffer with you? And as an organization, as SYFC, if we have times where we're suffering... Would you suffer with us in those times? And what about rejoicing with each other? We hope that when when you hear news of what's happening in schools and with young people, you can celebrate with us 
And we hope that as, as, as you thrive as a church, that we can celebrate with you. When you find your new minister, let us know. We'd love to rejoice with you in that. We, we want to be on this journey with you. And we want to know how we can do that better. How can we rejoice with you as a church in times when you are rejoicing? Paul shares an interest in welfare. Could we do this better? Could we know more about you so that we can share in your welfare? What can we do to help you as you so generously help us? And of course, that awkward question of financial support. Obviously, the church were generous in giving to, to Paul. And actually, you've been incredibly generous in giving to us. And for that, we are so very grateful. So in light of this partnership that we've seen between Paul and the church, and in the light of our relationship with you as a church, I think we're doing okay. I hope we're doing okay. I hope that you're encouraged by the things that you've seen in the video today. And I hope you'll be encouraged as you spend some time talking to Melissa and I afterwards. We hope that we're doing okay. But we'd love to do better. The last three years, we'd love to do better in the next three years. We'd love to be able to partner with you better. We'd love to get to know you better. And I guess the question is for you now, how do we do that? And maybe that's a conversation we can have over coffee later. How can we support you better and how can you support us better is the question that I'm kind of pondering as we read this uh, letter from Paul. So let's think on those things. Maybe through the day, maybe read the whole letter of Philippians um, during the uh, downtime in Wimbledon today. How can we, as individuals, be more joyful in our circumstances? How can we make that choice to be joyful and to have that overflowing heart of thankfulness? Does it mean that we need to think about that fresh encounter with the living God every day to change our perspective on things? And secondly, how can we partner better? How can we partner better with you? How can you partner better with us? Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it directs us. Thank you that it encourages us. And thank you that it teaches us. And I thank you so much uh, for what we can learn just from this small portion of scripture. Thank you so much for Paul's example to us today. Thank you um, for that heart that he had of thanksgiving. And my prayer is that we would have that too. That whatever our circumstances, we would learn to rejoice having had a daily encounter with you, our living God. And please, Lord, would you help us? Would you help us uh, to partner really well together so that our ministry as SYFC and this ministry at Christ Church would be fruitful for you. In Jesus' name, amen.